Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Hello, Cleveland, and welcome back to another edition of the Dogland Podcast brought to you by Dogs by Nature, SB Nation, and Vox Media. I am your host, Jackson McCurry. Rolling with me, as always, is my co-host, Anthony Jokey. Anthony, we have come and gone with another brown season, man, but how are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm doing better than I was doing on Sunday afternoon, I'll tell you that. Uh, that, that was a rough one, but doing okay. Uh, you know, uh, unfortunately, it's the off season now, and we have a lot to discuss, and uh, I, I wish we were still playing, but unfortunately, it's not that way this year. Absolutely, man. I mean, it's always just a tough time of the year, like today especially. We're recording on January 11th. And, you know, I was looking at Facebook memories, old tweets, and like two years ago today, we were celebrating our first playoff victory in forever. And now that it says two years ago, but it just seems like it's been a blur because the last two seasons have really been a blur. There's been so many twists and turns. um, And and it's crazy to think that it's only it's been two years since that playoff victory. Um, But yeah. I mean, you said it. Sunday was frustrating. Uh, the, the season in general, obviously, the Browns finished seven and ten, last in the AFC North once again. Uh, we didn't go to the playoffs. It it was definitely disappointing. I think, you know, the start to the season, like we didn't know what Deshaun's suspension was going to be, and then once it was eleven games, like I think some of us, myself included, you know. I tried to say, you know, like Jacoby was going to keep us in playoff contention. And, and I think he did, but I also like the biggest disappointment was the defense, which of course we'll get to um, taking a step backwards after a strong second half in 2021. And it just, they couldn't get it going those first 11 games. And it was like, here we go again. You know, the frustration towards Joe Woods, the frustration towards the players. I think that's more the reason why this defense, this this season was such a disappointment in general. And then you add in the fact that, you know, Deshaun comes back and the offense just could not get into a rhythm, um, you know, running the ball, the offensive line, just Deshaun and he couldn't get into a good rhythm. Uh, this whole season, like, you know, I think I predicted eight, and nine, but the fact that we went seven and 10, it was so disappointing because some of those games early on, the Jets game, the Chargers game, the Falcons game, games the Browns should have won, but just didn't uh, because of one thing or another, led it to being such a disappointment. Yeah, if they would have you know, pulled out, uh, you know, at least like one of those, that game on Sunday probably means something against Pittsburgh, um, you know, especially for, for tiebreaker regions and, and stuff like that. Um yeah, you know, it's we talked about it oh, probably about a month ago. How uh, it was right around when the Sean came about corners of the game, and um, you know what they probably would have meant to the rest of the season going forward. Uh, but you know, 
couple of those were, were tough losses, and it, it pretty much knocked you out of uh, the playoff picture. And because you knew when uh, Watts came back that things weren't going to be, you know, 100% and full speed right away. It, it certainly took a couple of weeks uh, before things started to, started to look better. Um, so you wish you could have had those. You wish you could have been in a better spot. But, you know, fortunately, that that's wasn't the case. And now, you know, it's time for the, the off season, And you know, there's a lot of questions uh, that uh, need, they had to find the answers to. Uh, Andrew Berry, uh, Stefanski and company. Um, there's a lot that uh, they have to figure out. And, and hopefully uh, sooner rather than later, we'll have an answer on, on one of those questions that we'll talk about. But, you know, in terms of adding to this team, uh, talent-wise, you know, you had the draft and free agency, which doesn't begin to, uh, until March. So, you know, you still got a couple months of prep before that uh, happens. But, um Hopefully they can find a, a new defensive coordinator soon, and uh, you know we can start to to get the ball rolling on this offseason. It this was brought up uh, throughout like the last month of the season, actually throughout the entire season, and it was you know rehashed again during Barry and Stefanski's uh, season-ending press conference on Monday when they talked about leadership and you know the guys in the locker room, you know not having the vocal leadership uh, that, you know, some teams have, you know, those guys that will, you know, rally the troops and fire guys up pregame and like on the sidelines, you know, we had guys here, you know, the last couple of seasons, the Malik Jacksons, the Anthony Walkers that, you know, the Jarvis Landry's, the Sheldon Richardson's Anthony, like how much do you think vocal leadership really matters to a football team because I think we have leaders, guys like Joel Batonio, guys like Miles Garrett, Nick Chubb, Amari Cooper, that aren't the most vocal leaders, but they lead by example. Like they they know how to do things the right way. And, you know, I think they, you know, try to influence their teammates around them by leading by example. Do you think the vocal leadership that, you know, some of the fans have clamored for, some of the things the media has clamored for, do you think that truly matters at the end of the day in terms of a leadership, or is it just go out there and do your job, do the, do it the Belichick way and not have those, you know, those vocal leaders trying to pick the team up when things get tough during the season. This is an interesting question because I, I think it matters in certain places of your team. Like um, I don't think it matters as much on offense. Now, maybe, in the wide receiver room where you have a lot of interesting personalities possibly, but I don't think it matters as much on offense as it does on defense because defense is like a different mindset uh, that you have to be in in order to play defense. And it's a, it's a tough thing to do uh, at, at any level. And I, I think if you had, you know, more uh, vocal leaders on the defense, you know, like you're, uh, Ray Lewis's or Teddy Bruschi's or Troy Palomalo's of the world. I think if you had those kinds of vocal leaders um, and guy and people who can get uh, people in, in the right positions to do things, I think that would matter much more than, you know, 
Joe Batonio being a vocal leader for the offensive line. I, I, I just think it's a different mindset on the defensive side. And, you know, it didn't seem like there was much at, at all, not only from the players, but obviously from the, the coordinator as well. And maybe that's where they need to go uh, in terms of, you know, a, a defensive coordinator, somebody who's going to be a, a really vocal guy, you know, somebody like, a, you know, I, obviously you can't have them, but, you know, somebody like a Dan Campbell or Dan Quinn, one of those types of defensive coordinators that are, are really going to be, uh, you know, in on everything. And, you know, you, you could definitely tell that their, their imprint is on, is on that defense. And over the last couple of years, I, I don't think you could really see that, um, you know, for this Browns defense. So I, I, maybe they need to find, you know, a vocal guy or somebody on a team needs to become that, that big vocal leader uh, on the defensive side to make things change. Yeah. I mean, I think you could always use personalities on the team. I think like you're not going to be able to go in with 53, you know, quiet guys that lead by example. You you kind of need some of those guys that'll fire up the team, you know, in, a, in certain situations of a game or, you know, having that team meeting where, you know, they need to, you know, wake up and, you know, try to rally the troops in certain situations. But like, I know you mentioned Dan Quinn, Dan Campbell guys that, you know, that command a locker room just with their, you know, their personality, their voice. I don't know if you necessarily need that. Obviously we had that with Greg Williams and, you know, there's a reasons why Greg Williams went so many places during the, during his coaching career. I think it works right away, but long-term, I don't think it's going to work like that. I think more or less you need to find guys that the players respect across the league guys that will, you know, command a room, not just with their, you know, their vocal skills or anything, but, you know, their coaching, their effectiveness. That's what Andrew Barry said. He goes, he said he thinks the bigger focus when it comes to vocal leaders is effectiveness of leadership as opposed to necessarily style of leadership. And he said, you're not, you're not getting the results and outcomes. He goes, but people lead in different ways. And I, he goes, and he would, he would focus more on effectiveness as opposed to, he said, quote, hey, you need X amount that are this way or X amount that are that way. And I think that's ultimately right. Is If the way you're leading is working, then I think that shows that you can be a leader in the locker room and on the football field. It doesn't matter if you do it this way or that way. It's just a, it's just a matter of, is it working? Are the players around you that you're trying to give that leadership to? Are they adhes- adhering to it? Because if they're not then maybe it's time for something else to switch up. And then Anthony, like my, my last question to you before we go to break and then come back to talk about the defensive coordinator. Do you think going into the 2023 season, like this is obviously going to be year four for Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski. Do you think this is the make or break off season going into the make or break season for this current regime? I was responding to you, but of course I was muted. And, you know, that's fine. If you, if you want to respond <laughs> to the leadership thing, go ahead. You know, and then... I'll, I'll finish my thought really quickly. Okay. Um, you know, and maybe what I was getting at with, with Quinn and Campbell is you can see how, 
uh, how respected they are, like you mentioned. And, you know, I don't know if you've seen like any of the locker room videos from Detroit this year um, and what they've built up there, you know, that, that tells you that those players respond and, and that's what they, they need on, on both sides, players that respond, players that respect uh, the, the coach and, and then vice versa, you know, um, they, it just seems to be a nice thing up there that they got going and to have a coach like that, you know, just not like the defensive side, I, I think would go a long way for, you know, a lot of these guys. Um, in terms of Barry and, and Stefanski, yeah, you know, I there's uh, no doubt that, you know, this is a put up or shut up year. Um, you certainly want to see, uh, I think it has to be like playoffs or bust, uh, to be completely honest. You know, you went out, you spent all this draft capital on, on a quarterback, um uh, and uh you know you spent uh, all this money free agency uh and you signed him to a long-term deal so you have to go into next season and you have to at least make the playoffs um and, and to you know be completely honest you might even have to win a playoff game uh depending on you know how the regular season goes but um you know this this year, there's going to be a lot of pressure from week one. Uh, and, you know, this team is going to have to perform. And if it doesn't, there's going to be, there's going to be changes. Uh, you know, it's, I know we've had a, a, the same thing for a few years and that's been nice, but I think after, you know, four or five years, I think you can really tell if things are, are right or wrong. And, you know, if it, uh, if it starts out really poor, there's, there could be a, a change halfway through. Uh, so, um, you know, they need to go into the season and, you know, play uh, good football from week one and, you know, put all those things to rest and, and hopefully, you know, make the playoffs. And I, I think that's going to be the, the bare minimum for next year is making the playoffs. Yeah, I would absolutely agree. I mean, you look at the roster, obviously you mentioned, you know, they traded for the franchise quarterback into Sean Watson. Uh, they've invested a lot of money into their homegrown talent, Miles Garrett, Nick Chubb, Denzel Ward. You know, they've spent a lot in free agency the last couple of years. They haven't worked out for the most part. Uh, John Johnson, the third, who's probably going to be a cap casualty this offseason, Austin Hooper. Um, you know, they've, you know, built that offensive lineup. They have a lot of money invested into it. Um, you know, they've hit on some draft picks, haven't hit on some draft picks for sure. Uh, so this is the like crucial off season for them going into a crucial season for you, for uh, Barry and Stefanski, not for you, uh, Anthony, of course, but um, yeah, I mean, it's make or break. I think, like you said, if things don't start out well, for Stavansky, there could be a midseason change. I don't think that would ultimately happen. I think they'd probably let the season play itself out. Um, but yeah, I just it's put up or shut up time. Like obviously Stefanski has gone and made changes, which we'll talk about uh in the next segment. But you know, he needs to put it get things together on the offensive side. Um, you know, get the offense custom to what he hit both him and Deshaun Watson want. Um, they both talked about that on Monday in their exit interviews. Um, so that I think they both know they have to make this work. And if they don't, if it doesn't work, then I think, you know, the Haslam's will make a change. Uh, and 
it, it's going to be interesting because does Barry get his own head coach? Like, we'll obviously talk about this when the time comes, but does Barry get the chance to hire his own head coach? He was hired after the Stefanski hire. How does Paul D. Podesta play into all this? They obviously all signed five-year contracts together. So, like, if one goes, do they all go? Does D. Podesta get another shot at hiring a head coach? Does Barry get a shot? Like, that's going to be some of the interesting storylines going into 2023. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. And I'm with you. I think they have to make the playoffs. Obviously, they made the playoffs in year one. I uh, think, was it eight wins last year, seven wins this past season? So they're trending downward. So they definitely need to get back in the playoffs. Whether or not they win a game, have to win a playoff game to keep his job, I mean, that'll be seen. I Obviously, if they make the playoffs, that's obviously trending back upward. But ultimately, it's... Jimmy and D Haslam's decision at the end of the day. And we'll definitely get to see how it all shakes out throughout the coming year. Yeah. You know, I think, I think that playoff win bought him this year. Cause if they didn't, uh, you know, make the playoffs in year one uh, and you saw, you know, what happened this year, uh, I, I don't know if he makes it through uh, this year. So, um, you know, hopefully they could, they could wreck the shift. They got a lot of work to do and, Hopefully we can return to the playoffs. Absolutely. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the changes. Well, the change that happened on the Browns coaching staff and potentially another change that could be on the horizon. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. And we're back. And Anthony, on Monday, early Monday morning, uh, we all got the news that we were all expecting for quite some time. The Browns relieved defensive coordinator Joe Woods of his duties after three years being the Browns defensive coordinator. Definitely ups and downs with Joe Woods throughout his time. 
here in Cleveland, um, you know, this year, looking at this specifically, they finished 20th in points per game allowed, uh, 14th in yards, uh, 20th in takeaways, uh, rushing defense. They were 25th in the league. Pass defense, they were top five back-to-back years uh, in yards allowed. Uh, and this year they were fifth in passing touchdowns allowed, which is pretty good uh, considering he was in the 20s both seasons. But, you know, Anthony, we saw the first half of the year, putrid defense. People were calling for Joe Woods' head. But then, of course, he had that late second half surge where the defense really put it together. They were top 10 in a lot of the categories, uh, both, you know, the basic football stats. And then you look at DVOA, EPA, you know, they were, they were putting together a, a pretty good games, forcing turnovers, stabbing defense, uh, stabbing opposing offenses, albeit they had some bad quarterbacks uh, they went up against along the way. But the defense was making a second-half surge, and then some people were wondering, were they really going to make the change? And Kevin Stefanski ultimately did that. Um, what is your thoughts on the whole Joe Woods saga these last three years as defensive coordinator? Well, I, I think it might have been about a month ago when we were talking about that. You know, I said, yeah, I know they're playing well, but I don't think there's anything that can save his job. And, you know, they continued to, you know, do some decent things and uh, play well and, uh, you know, look like they're improving. But, you know, I'm definitely not surprised that, that he's no longer here. And uh, I, I think a lot of us are happy uh, that uh, there's a change on the defensive side. You know, the last two years, they started out extremely slow. Um, and, you know, it kind of put them behind uh, for the rest of the season uh, in terms of, um, you know, helping them win games and, and whatnot. So, um, you know, because of those slow starts and, and it cost them a, a couple games, it probably cost them the playoffs this year uh, with the slow start on defense. Um and, you know, a couple of breakdowns, which we all know. And, uh, you know, that, that first year, I, I kind of remember, you know, a lot of turnovers and, and a lot of takeaways. And it just seems like, you know, these last two years, there weren't as many of those. And, and I know a lot of it sometimes has to do with, with luck, uh, the ball bouncing your way. Um it seems like not a single ball bounced the, the Browns way this year uh, when a, when the ball hit the ground uh, fumble-wise. Uh, you know, it happened again in the, in the Pittsburgh game. And, uh, you know, sometimes it, it, things like that, but, you know, you have to put yourself in, in a position to, to have takeaways. And, uh, you know, they just couldn't do that. And it, it took uh, – a long time to, you know, move miles around and, and whatnot. And well, there was some success when they started to do it late in the season. Um, you know, and I, I granted, I think some of it also has to do with, you know, lack of personnel, but uh, I, I think a lot of the continuous uh, breakdowns um, in, in the secondary uh, where you have a lot of talent and ultimately, um, you know, uh, the, the slow starts, I, I think that's what ended up, uh, you know, dooming all of this. And, you know, you never want to see anybody lose your job, but uh, I definitely think it was time for a change. And it was certainly the, the right call to move forward 
uh, without uh, Joe Woods. Without question, a change absolutely needed to be done. Um, you know, you heard other people say it, and I agreed with them that, you know, he did run a good scheme. It wasn't always executed. Like like you said, there was miscommunications, breakdowns, uh, not adjusting well. But I think Joe Woods is a good dude. I think, you know, he has shown that he's a good football coach um, from his time in Denver, his time in San Fran, working in the secondary. And, you know, there was times here. And, like, I see the development that he had. Martin Emerson big guy that they helped develop over there surprised a lot of uh, the majority of us this year as a third round pick who we didn't know was going to play a lot and ended up being our best corner. I mean, you could argue that um, I thought JOK his rookie year, obviously he did some good things this year was a step back. Obviously injuries played a role in that, but I mean, Joe Woods did good things, but at the end of the day, like it's a, it's a results based business the defense just wasn't that good. You know, you could make the argument last year, but that second half surgeon uh, towards the end of the season, you know, got him his third year, but like they can't, they can't come out the gate the way they did defensively the last couple of years. Like this team's too talented. There was too much put into this team for the defense to be as bad as it was. Like, I just, I got to think a new voice in that room, perhaps a new scheme, could change things because I just think there's too much talent on that side of the ball to where the defense was as bad as it was. Oh yeah. I, I think so too. Uh, there, there's certainly a lot of talent. Uh, there's definitely going to be some changes like, you know, Greedy Williams is going to come back. I, um, you know, there's, uh, changes in linebacker that need to be made. Uh, I'm not sure if John Johnson will be back. So there's certainly going to be some, some personnel changes, uh, there's quite a bit that they need to add uh, personnel-wise uh, to the defense. You know, finding a replacement for Jadavion Clowney, who will be back. Um, we'll see what they do at the defensive tackle room. So there's, with a new defensive coordinator, there's going to be, uh, I'm sure we'll bring in some, some of his, you know, some of his guys uh, personnel-wise. Uh, you know, maybe, you know, a couple of friends will help out, uh you know, uh, help be able to, to mold this defense uh, with some of these uh, other guys. Um, you know, like you talked about, there are some bright spots. You know, Emerson played really well. Uh, you know, Miles is Miles. You know, I know Denzel took a step back, but there's certainly, uh, you know, a level that he can get to as long as he can stay healthy. Uh, Greg Newsom uh, has an opportunity to, to play better. Uh, Grand Delpit. You know, yeah, Delpit, JOK, uh, certainly have an opportunity to, you know, continue to show things. Uh, you know, Delpit's going into the last year of his deal, uh, you know, even though, you know, he missed the first year uh, and has kind of been up and down, but started to, to play really well in, in the second half of this season. Uh, you know, JOK, you know, has a couple years under his belt, but has also, you know, had a couple injuries, so, you know, some of these guys can stay healthy, and I, I know it's it's not an easy thing uh, in, in the NFL to, to stay healthy. Um, but you know, there's there's some talent on this defense, and and I think that's why a lot of it was so frustrating. Jack is that there's certainly talent there. It, it's just a matter of putting it all together and 
uh, being able to execute and uh, being able to have the correct scheme and everything. And, you know, th there's, there's no doubt that, you know, you have one of the, the best pass rushers, you have some really good corners and, and a couple other players that, that can do some things. So hopefully this new defensive coordinator, whoever it is, can put all these pieces in and figure out the, the puzzle uh, that is this defense and, um, you know, have things a lot better going forward. Without question, um, you know, after, you know, the announcement that Joe Woods was uh, being fired, uh, people were wondering who who are the Browns looking at? You know, there was rumors people put their own candidate list together, but the Browns really wasted no time. Like by Monday, early Monday afternoon, we knew exactly who they were requesting to put in for interviews, who they were looking at as options for defensive coordinator, um, you know. We're recording this on Wednesday. Jim Schwartz interviewed with the team today. Uh, started in Cleveland as a personnel guy for Bill Belichick. Was defensive coordinator for the Titans from 01 to 08. Head coach of the Lions from 09 to 2013. Then stopped with the Bills in 2014. And his most recent stop before becoming senior defensive assistant for the Tennessee Titans was with the Eagles from 2015 to 2020, Anthony. Uh, his defenses have been pretty good throughout his time during his career as a defensive coordinator. Uh, five times his defenses were in the top 11 in the league in terms of points allowed, and six times they were the top eight in takeaways. He plays an aggressive attacking style defense, a 4-3 base, which is good based on our current personnel. Um, you know, he's famous for the wide nine scheme, which he's deployed wherever he's gone, where the defensive ends, which obviously we have one of the best in the league, if not the best in miles Garrett line up outside the tackles to get them an advantage and getting after the quarterback. When I look at all the candidates and I think there's, they're all good ones, but Jim Schwartz is, I think my favorite, they would be my pick for a defensive coordinator right now, just because you don't have to change much of your personnel right now. Uh, the wide nine scheme was great in Philly. They won a Super Bowl during the time. Their defenses were always towards the top, always pretty good. But this benefits Miles Garrett. And this is our best defensive player. He's obviously one of the best edge rushers in the league. This is an opportunity for him if Schwartz comes in, uses that wide nine scheme to where Miles can show his defensive player of the year caliber talent at full level. You know, if he stays healthy, you know, gets out there and gets after the quarterback, I don't see why with any of these guys, but specifically Schwartz, if they put him in this scheme, I think Miles Garrett can, you know, put to rest who's better. Is it Boza? Is it TJ Watt? Whoever. I think Miles can really put to rest that he's the best edge in the league. Yeah, you know, it's an interesting scheme, but I think with the, the wide nine, you, you need – some uh, other personnel you need to have good defensive tackles you need to have good linebackers because you know if you're if your ends are, are are lined up way outside you need to be able to control all those gaps in the middle uh, whether it be with linebackers or, or defensive tackles so granted while it would give us a, a great advantage currently uh in the the pass rush you know and a player like miles uh, I guess the rush, I don't know how, how much it, it would work out. But honestly, could it be much worse than what we've seen uh, over the last couple of years against the run? So, um, 
yeah, I, I do I certainly agree. It's going to go, it would give a, a huge advantage to, to Miles being able to, to line up that way uh, in, in passing situations and being able to, to tee off on guys. Um, but you also have to have a, a good end, I think, on the other side too. So um, I, I'm all for it. You know, there's a lot of these guys on this list that, you know, all sound great and I, I think would, would be a good defensive coordinator. Um, you know, there's certainly some names that are out there and we'll go through this list here, but yeah, you know, Jim Schwartz has certainly proven it in, in many different places. And, um, you know, I, I would totally be okay if that's who they decided to go with. So the next candidate I would say is the front runner based on all reports right now. And that's Pittsburgh Steelers linebacker coach and former Miami Dolphins head coach, Brian Flores. Um, Flores spent a long time in new England in various roles, coached the safeties for four years, coached the linebackers for three years was the, I think the de facto defensive coordinator just didn't have the title uh, those last couple of years in new England before he got the dolphins job, um, you know, went to Miami for three years, had that team in a good spot. There was, you know, a questionable relationship with Tua obviously because at the same time, the dolphins were courting Deshaun Watson, um, after he had asked for the trade and the whole, you know, situation with Deshaun Flores gets fired. We all know that story. He's currently suing the league still, um, because of racial malpractice and that whole situation. He goes to Steeler. He's been with the Steelers for the last year as a senior defensive assistant and the linebackers coach, uh, Anthony, this is where the candidates take a turn because the Browns have run a four, three, the last several years. Flores and the other guys we'll talk about run a three, four scheme. That's obviously the base. We all know that, you know, all the defensive defenses run different packages, personnels, nickel, dime, et cetera, et cetera. But this would be a change, obviously. Flores and the other guys we'll talk about run a three, four. So obviously personnel will definitely change, which we expect changes in the personnel anyways with the on the defensive side of the ball. But this would be something different because we haven't had a 3-4 base defense in quite some time. But, you know, Flores seems to be the leader in the clubhouse. Albert Breer wrote today on uh, SI that Jimmy Haslam is a fan of his, um, and he's pegging him as the favorite right now for the Browns defensive coordinator job. And I think other people have said that as well. But it's interesting. Flores... I think he's a good coach, not taking anything away from what he's done in New England and Miami. But when I see this, I already know the narratives that are going to be start being built by the fan base and the media. Flores comes in and people are looking at him as not only the defensive coordinator, but potentially the future coach of the Cleveland Browns. And I don't know where Stefanski stands with stands on the whole Flores situation, but you got to wonder if he's going to have one eye looking over his shoulder, knowing Hey, if I don't get this thing turned around, my replacement's going to be in the building. But uh, what's your thoughts on Brian Flores? You know, this is a an, an interesting thing. You know, I, and you know, he's obviously had you know some success and has done some good things. And you know, it's unfortunate how his his time in my Miami ended uh, and whatnot, and. Um, you know, obviously he goes to, to Pittsburgh for a year. Uh, that's where he spent the, this last year. Um, you know, I, I, I 
do like him as a coach. I, I think he uh, was doing some some really good things down in Miami. Um, you know, his his leadership down there, I think, really helped turn uh, Miami around. Um, you know, granted, you know, they really didn't do much to, uh, with without him, uh, especially after making some some big moves. They still ended up with like the same record uh, that he had with them. So, um, you know, I, I would totally be all right with it. You know, I know, you know, what the narrative would be, but, you know, if you have, you know, a, a guy like Stefanski who you could almost, you know, he's certainly the head coach, but he's also, you know, the head coach of the offense too, you know, uh, and, and because of what he does, you know, call him plays and whatnot. And if you could have a, a nice personality on the other side, you know, be the head coach of the defense and they could work together, that'd be fine. I, you know, I know, like you said, what the narrative would be uh, if he did come here and, you know, things don't uh, start out well. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's certainly a lot of personnel changes I think that would have to be made uh, player-wise if you're going to, you know, run like a 3-4 uh, system uh, here as a base, even though Nichols kind of the base defense of what uh, most teams run now. But I, I think it would give an opportunity uh, to have guys like JOK and Delpit uh, do a, lo a lot of different things, um, you know, and maybe, you know, Miles too, uh, you know, have them line up, uh, you know, standing up in, in some situations, uh, you know, kind of kind of like TJ, uh, TJ Watt and, and what they do. Uh, with him and how they line them up a lot of the time. So uh, there's certainly, I think, an advantage that you could have uh, schematically, uh, you know, running a 3-4. It certainly helped with the run defense. Uh, there's there's no doubt about that. Um, and, I, you know, that's certainly a thing that they desperately need. And, you know, they have a good enough secondary. Uh, I believe that, you know, if you, if you ran a 3-4, it'd, it'd be able to have a, a – Decent secondary behind them that uh, would be able to to take care of things. So um, it, it might be the right scheme, but uh, I I have no problem if Brian Force uh, were to come here, uh, despite the the narrative that that would be started up. Without a doubt, I I if they switch to a three four, I would just it would take a minute I think to get used to see a Miles Garrett stand up rather than putting his hand in the dirt. Like it, it would just take some getting used to for sure. Uh, but you mentioned JOK, like I can see him line up sometimes as the other outside linebacker, just because of his speed, his athleticism, uh, you line him up and have him just go get after the quarterback for a play. I think that would be a good idea, a good idea to utilize that talent for sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. There, there's talent to be utilized and to unlock, I think. And I think he would do a very good job of being able to do that. Yeah. Without a doubt. Uh, going to our next guy, uh, Gerard Mayo, the new England linebackers coach and de facto co-defensive coordinator. He splits the duties with uh, Steve Belichick, obviously the son of Bill Belichick, Albert Breer, as I mentioned he, in the article where he mentions that Jimmy Haslam is a fan of Brian Flores uh, Breer has been hyping up uh, Gerard Mayo in recent weeks on Cleveland radio. And obviously in his articles, obviously he's Breer has that new England connection. He wrote, he said that Mayo has already been 
functioning as a coordinator in New England. He runs meetings. He helps design the defense and game plans. And he's and Breer says he could be a culture changer. And he said Browns people would tell you they need that on defense. And I think that's ultimately the truth. Uh, Gerard Mayo is a former player, was a great player for New England for eight seasons, won defensive rookie of the year, was an all pro, went to the Pro Bowl a couple times. He, Him and Steve Belichick have, are doing a good job on that defense. Obviously, Bill's going to have his hand on the defensive side of the ball in some form, but obviously he has relied on guys in the past, guys like Matt Patricia, guys like Brian Flores, like we mentioned, and obviously now he's given the reins to his son Steve and Gerard Mayo. I think Mayo could be a dark horse here. Um, I think if he kills it in the interview, you know, maybe the Browns go with him um, as being a former player. I think that's good thing because he can relate to the players. Obviously now he hasn't been out of the game too long. This would be a guy to keep your eye on. I think Anthony during, during this process, because I think Mayo could turn some heads and he's already, he's obviously been talked about as a future head coach, uh, we can help springboard that if by giving him the actual title of being defensive coordinator here in Cleveland. You know what my first thought was when I heard his name, and, and I'll, I'll let you react to it after I say it. What if he could be a defensive coordinator to us, kind of how Byron Leftwich has kind of been a, a nice offensive coordinator down in Tampa Bay? You know, just kind of being a, a former player that comes in. And, you know, it's done a really nice job down there. Uh, maybe that's what the what Mayo could be here. Yeah, I could see that. I think, you know, Lefwich obviously got to learn under Bruce Arians for a few years. Finally, now calling the plays this year hasn't worked out the greatest this season, but obviously they are in the playoffs. Um, but, yeah, I could see that definitely in a scenario. Like Mayo's learned under Belichick for the last few years now the reins are off. He gets to go do his own thing somewhere. Could be Cleveland. I know geography, geography location is a big thing for him. He doesn't want to go too far away from Massachusetts. So Cleveland's not that far. I'm sure the flight's only a couple hours uh, from here to Boston. So I think that would suit him well too. And I know Albert Brewer has said that Mayo is open to coming to Cleveland. Yeah, I, I think it'd be an interesting move. Obviously we've seen, you know, the New England defense here before. And, you know, it worked at times uh, under under different uh, guys, whether it be Romeo or, or Mangini. Um, you know, there's no doubt that those defenses were tough based on the personalities that were here. Um, so, I, you know, if he's a certainly a, a younger defensive coordinator who could, uh, you know, connect with some of these guys, especially as a former player, I, I think that might go – uh, a long way. Um, so, like I said, you know, we, we had this whole list here and uh, all these guys sound like great guys on paper. And uh, it's just a matter of, of how they come in and uh, are able to interact with the rest of the team. And, you know, does their scheme hold up, uh, you know, on the field? And uh, I, I think he'd be a, a great guy to, to come in here. And certainly on a, a player relationship level, I, I think, would probably be the biggest pro uh, to hiring Gerard Mayo. And then the last known candidate that they're interviewing is Seahawks associate head coach and defensive assistant, Sean Desai uh, has an Ivy league background, which I think obviously would bode well for him during the process because of the analytical background um, spent nine seasons in Chicago, 
worked under John Fox, Vic Fangio, Chuck Pagano, three of the best defensive minds, probably the last quarter century, um, was the defensive coordinator in Chicago in 2021. Um, and I did some additional research on this guy just because I wanted to learn more about him. Runs a 3-4 base defense, but ran nickel 46% of the time, which is around the league average. So obviously he knows the trends around the league. Um, but he used the four, two, five scheme the most, obviously with the five defensive backs, obviously that's a nickel scheme, but he used that personnel package the most in Chicago during his defensive coordinator, his one year as the defensive coordinator. And I did hear, and I can't remember where I heard it from, but Desai had a big role in the development of the young up and coming players on that Seahawks defense. Um, so I think that bodes well for guys like Martin Emerson, uh, Greg Newsome, some of the young guys on the roster that, you know, you've got a coach that not only has the track record has worked under some of the all-time greats, but has a track record of development, which I think would bode well for some of our young core pieces here on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, it really would. Uh, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of younger guys and, and some guys who uh, can certainly take, you know, a next step or two. Uh, to, to being a really good defensive player. Um, you know, what, you know, the statistic you told me about, you know, what he runs kind of tells me that, you know, he's perfectly okay with adaptability. You know, if he runs a 3-4 base, but he ended up running 4-2-5, the nickel 46% of the time, obviously you need to play to your strengths and you need to play to uh, the types of the teams that you're playing. Um and whatnot. So, you know, that tells me that he does a good job uh, being able to, to adapt and, uh, you know, change certain things under certain, certain situations. Um, and obviously being there under, you know, Pete Carroll for a year, uh, I, I think is a good thing too. So, um, you know, there's certainly a lot of positives. I, I think, you know, maybe he doesn't have the, the most experience in the world, you know, neither does John Mayo, but uh, compared to, you know, Jim Schwartz and, and Brian Flores. But, uh, you know, I certainly would think, you know, this would kind of be like that, you know, the the the, the young guy who's, who's ready to take that next step and, uh, you know, be able to, to put his thumbprint on a defense that's, you know, certainly looking to, you know, make noise in the playoffs and beyond. So uh, that, that would certainly be the, the, the biggest question uh, if you were to come here. And then I'm throwing this name extra in. I think Vic Fangio would also be a good candidate. I know he's been tied to Sean Payton and wherever Sean Payton may potentially go. Um, but Vic Fangio, I think, would be a good defensive coordinator. His track record speaks for itself. But I'm throwing Jim Leonard in. I know a lot of Browns fans have uh, wanted him as defensive coordinator. I think he did a good job the last several years in Wisconsin and was good as the interim head coach as well. He's also a former player, spent his last season in the league in Cleveland. Um, obviously, I think the thing that sticks out the most, he has no NFL coaching experience. Um, he's another dude that's a 3-4 defensive guy, but he he likes to blitz. He likes to make, you know, stunts on the defensive side, and he leaves his secondary and man coverage and in those packages which is good because our guys love to run in man and it's, it's where our most effective. So 
you know, Jim Leonard might not be a guy they even interview in this process. Um, if we find out, it might be one of those things where the Browns Twitter account says, hey, we interviewed Jim Leonard because we don't have to request it. But even if they don't interview him as defensive coordinator, Anthony, and one of these guys that we ultimately pick, you know, wants to bring him on the staff as a defensive backs coach or something, I think that would be a good hire. I think Jim Leonard is a rising star as a as a coach, not only in college. I think he probably could get another opportunity at the college level, but I think he could be a future defensive coordinator or head coach in the league based on stuff I've read about his time in Wisconsin. And it seemed like the players uh, truly loved him up there in Wisconsin. Yeah, there's there's no doubt about the toughness uh, of, of those defenses up there uh, in Wisconsin. So, yeah, he's, he's done a nice job up there. And, you know, we'll see, you know, what the future lies for him. Um, you know, if he – if the Browns do interview him and, and you know, they like what, the, you know, he has to say, I, mean, I think it would be a very interesting hire, uh, you know, hiring a guy with, with no NFL experience. But, you know, the, the track record of, you know, what he's been able to do up in Wisconsin, I, I think that would certainly, uh, you know, obviously help. And, uh, you know, if one of these coaches decides to bring him on a staff or if he's in the NFL next year, you know, you're right. He's certainly going to be a guy to watch, you know, over the next two or three years uh, being a few defensive coordinator and maybe a head coach. Uh, you know, I remember when he was here, all he did was fair catch punts. Uh, <laughs> that was Mangini's like last year, right? I think that, no, that's that, like all he... 2014, that was uh, Petten, Petten's first year. Okay, yeah, like all he did was fair catch punts. <laughs> uh, there's there's never an issue, but, you know, thankfully we've come a, a little bit ways uh, from that. Uh, but... Uh, you know, it would certainly be an, an interesting hire if that's the route that they decided to go. Uh, you know, we mentioned, you know, Flores or uh, excuse me, Mayo and uh, decide not having much experience. Um, you know, obviously hiring a guy with no NFL experience, I would certainly turn some heads. But I, I think that, uh, uh, you know, being a, a coach, you know, in college, uh, you could you certainly have to learn to relate with players. Uh, and and build those relationships. So I, I think that would certainly be a, a positive uh, aspect if that's if Leonard is the route that they wanted to go. And as we wrap things up, um, you know, I think some people expected Mike Prefer to get let go, special teams coordinator. He hasn't yet, and I say yet, Anthony, because Monday Stefanski was asked point blank about Mike Prefer. And Savansky didn't say yes, didn't say no. He said, we're working through things. Like, and he said that he saw he had to talk to some of his coaches and stuff throughout the week. Um, I know our, our boss, and I use quote marks when I say that, Jared Mueller reported Monday morning on Dogs by Nature that it was still about 50-50 about Prefer, um, if he was going to stay or go. I, I wouldn't be shocked if he... I'm at this point where I wouldn't be shocked if he was let go and I wouldn't be shocked if he comes back for another year because, you know, special teams coaches stick around. How long, how many coaches did Tabor survive? Chris Tabor survived through. So a, a lot, a, a lot, lot. Yeah. Honestly. So like, I won't be shocked if prefers back, but at the same time, I was kind of surprised Stefanski answered it that way. So maybe he's waiting to see someone become available by chance. Uh, but it, I would think at this point, um, barring, you know, me being wrong, which is more times than not, 
I would expect Prefer to be back. Uh, how did you feel about that as well? Well, I, I think that they got off to a rough start this year because a lot of their plans were derailed from the start. Uh, you know, losing Jakeem Grant, uh, who certainly had experience, uh, you know, in the return game, I, I think was, uh, you know, certainly not expected. And, and I, I think it threw a, a big wrench into a lot of their plans and they had to go forth with, all right, is it going to be people's drones back there, uh, Ford, Towards the end of the uh, this last game against Pittsburgh, they had Darden back there, uh, and so they had, they had to adjust uh, in the return game, um, and you know it certainly uh, took a, a while. But I think you started to see uh, what Ford was able to do, you know, return wise uh, on kickoffs uh, towards the end of the year. Obviously, you know the not getting that outside kick against New York was, was, you know, a, a big strike. And there were a couple times uh, that they gave up onside kicks. So, uh, you know, you certainly, especially with the success rate too low, you certainly don't want to, you know, have that happen uh, once, let alone uh, twice in a year, sure. um, you know, so, there, there's a lot of things, and, and you know, Cade York kind of coming in as a rookie, and you know, we talked about that how you know he's a rookie, he shouldn't have to make like 95% of his kicks, you know, his first year in the league, but obviously there's a, that that pressure on him, and um, you know, we'll see how he rebounds uh, this off season and going into next year, um, but, but you know, I think much like Joe Woods last year, I, I think. Uh, the way this team started to to pull together uh, towards the end of the year, I, I think it might have bought him another year, uh, or at least, you know, how they're talking about it now, at least bought him a conversation of, you know, can he stay or is he going to go? Uh, before the longest time, you know, we were pretty sure that it was going to be a, a scenario where he wasn't going to be here. So, um you know, I think the way they played in the second half kind of bought him some time, bought him a conversation. We'll see if he sticks around. We'll see if he goes. Uh, and I'm not entirely opposed to, to one way or, or the other. Um, I, I just did like the, some of the positivity that we saw uh, on special teams towards the end of the year, uh, especially in the, the return game. Yeah, for sure. I thought they made they made some strides. Obviously, they had their hiccups along the way, but I thought the special teams unit um, collectively was getting better towards the end of the season. So we will see um, going into how it shakes out because obviously nothing's official yet about Prefer's f- future. Um, so we'll see how that shakes out in the next week or so. Um, and we'll see how the defensive coordinator search goes. So maybe by the next time we sit down, Anthony, we might have a new defensive coordinator. Um, so that'll be interesting. We'll see how it all shakes out. And before we close, I just want to say, you know, obviously, you know, it is so good to get to get the news Wednesday afternoon that Damar Hamlin, uh, was released from Buffalo hospital as he continues to make progress after, you know, one of the most, uh, sad things I've seen, uh, in my sports fandom, but I would be remiss. And I think you would as well, if we didn't offer our thoughts and prayers, to Peyton Hellis and his family. Um, obviously, you know, him saving his kids was a very heroic thing, but now 
you know, he's fighting with his health issues. And obviously uh, a lot of us loved Peyton Hillis during his time with the Browns, obviously that uh, epic 2010 season he had, but uh, you know, best wishes to him and his family as he continues to recover. And hopefully he pulls through. I think all the prayers that, worked for DeMar Hamlin. We need to keep sending him to Peyton Hillis and his family. And hopefully he pulls through uh, with his medical issues right now. Yeah. You know, the DeMar Hamlin thing is certainly uh, a blessing that he's been able to recover, you know, be released from the hospital after, you know, what he went through and, you know, hopefully uh, Peyton Hillis is also able to, to recover and be able to go home and, and whatnot. And, uh, you know, it's, I think it's very cool, Jack, how, you know, with, with everything that's gone on with uh, DeMar and you've, you've kind of seen it a little bit with Hillis, a lot of the uh, camaraderie and, and, and brotherhood of the NFL um, really shine through and a lot of the unity and everything. I, uh, you know, in a, in a world where a lot of people are divided on, on so many different things to see so many people pull together and I know I wasn't here last week when you talked to, to Tony about it but um, to, to see so many people pull together uh, and, and and you know pray for DeMar and whatnot and hope he got you know was able to get healthy and and everything that that's that's, that's just special and this world needs a lot more of that and um you know, I, I just, uh, you know, hope that's something that can continue. And uh, I think that was one of the, the best things to come out of such a, a terrible uh, situation. Uh, and I, I'm certainly glad that, you know, Hamlin's able to go home. And like I said, hopefully Hillis is able to, uh, sh- you know, soon at some point. Uh, but, you know, to, to be able to, to unify people, uh, uh, even just for a little while, I, I you know, it's certainly a, a very nice thing. Absolutely. With everything that's going on in this country, in this world, uh, the way, you know, the world came together for DeMar um, and, you know, everybody's sending their well wishes to him as well. And please keep doing that as well. But to Peyton Hillis as well, I think, you know, you know, the, the power of prayer and how people come together for stuff like this. Like, I just wish it would happen more and more uh, instead of, you know, and, in wake of tragedies and unfortunate events. Like if it could just happen all the time, I think obviously this world would be a much better place as we ramp things up as always. Thank you guys for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, checking us out, not only us, but the dog's table uh, as part of the dogs by nature feed. We really appreciate you all be sure to go and leave us a rating on uh, Apple podcast, Spotify, wherever you guys get your podcast. And if you're able to leave a rating or some feedback. We would truly appreciate it. You guys can follow Anthony on Twitter at Anthony Jokey. You can follow me on Twitter at Jack McCurry 08. And also go follow Dogs by Nature at Dogs by Nature and the Dogland at the Dogland as well. Until next time, Browns fans, as we get on out of here, as always, go Browns. This episode was supported by Reddit for Business. You want the right attention for your business, but you don't know where to get it. It should be a place where people actually take the time to engage with your ads. Why not try Reddit? They seem to have the whole engagement thing down pat. With over 100,000 communities, Reddit users are some of the most active online. Meet your potential customers where they feel most at home, with 90% of users trusting Reddit to learn about new products and brands. 
Just go to redditforbusiness.com slash vox to learn more.